Hi guys, and here we are today with Oz Benari, a product and strategy consultant at Dragons Can Fly. Oz, good to see you. How are you? Amazing, and I'm excited to be here. Well, um, sorry, where are you at the moment? What part of the world are you in? Yeah, so I'm in Miami. Uh, there was a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, weekend over, like weather over this weekend. Um, and I was, I came here for a conference of my alumni network. Um, and we had the right balance of really amazing networking, great kind of ancillary events around it so that we can get to know each other and, you know, form connections, friendships, but also business. And also, um, you know, we talked about my favorite two topics, which was my book. Uh, and the second one was uh, about NFTs and Web3. So. Well, hopefully we're going to have time to speak about all of that today. But do you know what? Why don't we actually kick off um, with, you know, starting from scratch, um, your book. Um, what's it about? Why did you write it? You know, who's it going to appeal to? <laughs> yeah, it's actually, you know, I, I wrote a book, but as a person who really built a lot of products throughout the year, um, I really looked at this as just another product I'm building, it, you know, by chance it's a book or by chance it's a written word versus like a digital product, which is mostly what I did um, in my career. And so, you know, I looked at the audience of this and I thought that it would be people like from my specific profession, like product managers. And even the first name for the book was how to plan your career like a product manager. But when I started interviewing users, as you would do as a product manager, Everybody was like, and I didn't necessarily address product managers because, you know, you always want to target larger audience. Um, then people were like, I'm not sure I know what the product manager does. So I was like, okay, that's not a good name and probably distance people that are not exactly me. Um, so today, so it's called Starting from Scratch. It's actually going to, going to be available for pre-order this Wednesday. Um, it's a lot of Where love did you and go for Amazon or yeah, Amazon, and then um, you know several indie indie bookstores, and there's a specific link to access indie bookstores because I love small businesses. That's another story from my uh, past career, um, but it will be available also um, through that and through my website. You can you will be able to um, access all the links. Um, but anyway, so starting from scratch is uh, talks about a six step model about how to plan a career change. Um, and it doesn't need, mean that you need to start a new job. It can be how to reinvent yourself in the same workplace after a long time or after a reorg happened and you just need that energy boost and that career trajectory. Um, so it's a six step model. I interviewed hundreds of people for the book, I actually interviewed 200 people, about 20 of those stories, which are in super inspiring and kind of very radical, I want to say, um, are in the book so that you can really get out of your without block. Giving too much away, without giving too much away, <laughs> I mean, are you able to give us some sort of insight into any of those stories or? Yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of people not realizing, like really followed my method. Um, and it's really a combination of learning and being open uh, to learning new things, being open to meeting new people like we met online, um, as well as um, really taking care of yourself and your kind of mental state throughout this process, because it's not easy. And it's not quick. So you will go through various 
mood swings and and feelings and it's really important to kind of know how to um bring it together actually let's touch on that because again you know from a business perspective and of course like you know largely within our you know within our community uh, a lot of people building their own like nft projects building their own blockchain projects um it's hard right and it's a super competitive space there you're undoubtedly gonna face crisis um what did you find from interviewing all these people like a, a commonality between those that handle crisis well those that struggle with it what, what was the core takeaway from that um plan to have a plan i think that uh it's very i don't know if it's very easy but it, it happens that um that you derail if you don't know where you're going right it's kind of like there's like a quote that you know, I'm not necessarily knowing exactly, but it's like, you don't know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, how can you actually get there? And I think that plan is super important to have rather, you know, whatever, if you're building a product or if you're building yourself as a product. Um, And so to have a plan and be able to constantly share it because this way people can help you in your business. People can help you and open doors for you personally. But if you don't know, if you don't have that written plan and you don't have the ability to communicate it, then you can get there and also other people can't help you. And, you know, what I learned through a lot of what, you know, I've been um, kind of my journey in the past two years in building my book and building my consulting is, you know, is if you don't, you're not able to articulate it. No one will help you. But once you do, there's so many people that will come to you uh, to your rescue, right? From, you know, opening doors, connections, you know, there are plenty of um, the stories that I had um, in that I have in my book is, you know, I started interviewing people I know. And then I said, do you know anybody who changed or built something that is um, kind of life-changing and you recommend it? And, and every single person was open to make an introduction. And it would be also through your business when you struggle for a good mentor advisor. So I think, you know, written plan and being able to share it both with yourself as well as with others. I think you touched on something very interesting there, especially for those that are building their own business. Yeah. People want to help you. People want to see you succeed. But you know, I've been very fortunate in the fact that I've always or the team have as well. We've been able to reach out to people and just ask for that help. And I think most people don't make that jump and just say, hey, you know, would you be open to speaking for 10 minutes? Would you be open to being on a podcast? You know, like, would you be open to give me some of the feedback on my product? And um, the biggest mistake that I think we made as as a startup, we didn't do that sooner. What was the, the, go go on, were there any like common mistakes that you kind of, found or where you thought actually people are really messing up here and this is a theme that I'm now seeing um I think definitely you know this part of you know asking for help is a big one you know I'm um I'm on the advisory board of uh, uh, the biggest college in New York City um Hunter College and um I was actually in a different meeting met someone else and I heard um the president of the university actually mentioning harsh how she struggles because she really wants to create you know she doesn't want to teach the theory to the students she actually wants to make professionals and for her to create professionals they need to be immersed in the workspace and she was talking about it and I said 
you know, I'm just here hearing you. Um, and I, maybe I heard you ask for help, but I don't know if you did. Um, but did you even articulate that to anybody else? And she said, you know what, I'll take you on your offer. And I'm part of her board today. And really, you know, we completely revised. She's extremely innovative and she's very open. It's not very common in the education system, but like we completely revised, you know, the, the syllabus, we completely revised the course, the courses, we completely, you know, Im immersed all of the students in this new uh, internship like we did a lot of things together and obviously I wasn't the other the only one but she understood that once she asks a lot of people join and really she has anybody uh that you could think of from you know meta and google and amazon wow. uh, on there to help her and it's people with a lot of you know information and a lot of access and so just you know, that's not an example for business, you know, or a book. It's a totally different example. But just the fact that she could articulate what she needed, I think it's really helpful. And really, you'll be surprised how many people are just waiting to just say, you know what, you know, let's just do something together. Even this weekend in my alumni network, you know, we were talking and, you know, I have three business connections. I actually have a friend that I have an introduction for him, for his business, like, it's just uh, people like doing that. People like to be part of other people's success story. Sure. You know, you don't need to be shy about what you need. No. And, and I, I think to be fair, I think in terms of like where we've been, where, where we've gone through, like, I, I'm going to tell you actually. So we were at one point, we literally ran out of money. I mean, we were, it doesn't matter why, but we were flat out broke. And I was going through my phone books, throwing out all these VCs. And I was pitching them for about five weeks straight, which isn't a long time in the VC world, right? And I knew that we had to pay Google for our servers and everything on February 26, 2021. Wait for this. And <laughs> February 25th, I've phoned this guy. I don't think I can say his name, but okay, fine. I phoned up this guy and he was like, like I'm really sorry to hear what's happened. You know, I, I wish you all the best. He was like, oh, but one sec. He has, I've got a couple of people you can call. Obviously, I don't think it's going to help you by tomorrow, but nonetheless, give them a call. And I'd already told the team I had to let them go. I told the team I had to go. And they were like, you'll work it out. You'll work out. I was thinking, no, no I'm, I can't work this out. So had the two numbers, wrote them on the back of like a receipt um, and phoned the first one. And it was like some like hard ass VC, wasn't very helpful, didn't really want to help. Phone the last number, and it's like 5.30, February 25th, uh, 2021. And this, like, gentle, this gentle voice answers the phone, and he starts chatting to me. And I, and I and and he said within three, four minutes, he was like, look, I'm not investing, right? You know, uh, it's not something I would do. And I was like, no, like, I was very respectful. We got chatting for about, like, 10 more minutes. He was like, why did your team stay with you? Why did they stay? And I told him what I thought. I told him where we were at, what we'd done. And he was like, I'm not going to invest in your company, but I am going to gift you the money. And rather than be like, oh, my gosh, thank you. I was like, what? Was like, why would you do that? And I got, I got, like, defensive. You know, I was like, why would you do that? And he was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to buy. He goes, you know, what am I going to do? Buy another Porsche? By another house he goes if i can help you and all these people all these people have stayed with you for a reason yeah so like, listen i'm not taking and it, it was a big 
big sum of money, right? We're not talking a few thousand here. And it was a huge sum of money. And um, I was like, look, I can't just take money off of you. That's ridiculous. He was like, okay, well, it's there. And I went, why don't you do the team in the morning, meet with us? Because I knew 12 o'clock was like the cut off. Let's meet at nine o'clock in the morning and um, I'll get the team together. And let's just see like, if this is something you actually want to do. And um, he got on the call. He said, right, guys. He's like a good looking dude, older gen, like clearly very successful. And um, he's like, I've heard enough from Lawrence. I want to hear from you guys. Why did none of you quit? Why did you stay? Like, he hasn't paid you. You're not getting paid. Why are you doing this? And went around <laughs> the team and he got quite emotional. And he's like, you know, as you can imagine. And um, yeah, he did it. He literally did it. He just like, after the call, he was like, we need to like, he was in the finance world anyway. And he was like, look, we need to do it from like the proper way and everything. And he, but he just sent it. Amazing. Isn't that mental? And two years later, we're all like still, well, almost two years together. We're about to absolutely fly. All because of him. Well, not all because of him, but I'm saying it wouldn't yeah. be without him. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, that was probably too long a story to tell just then, but... No. No, first of all, I think, thank you for that story. Cause I think it's, it just says, so there's so many things that you said there, not just that someone believed, you know, someone, you know, you asked for help and someone made that connection. It's not just that it's just, it's also, how do you treat your team and does your team want you to succeed? You know, if I think that the best leaders um, that I worked for made me want them to succeed. I was completely not managing my career I was just wanted to be by their side because you know they were um I can you know unfortunately he passed away last year but um I worked for the uh, CTO of one of the companies I was um a part of and the job wasn't very um there was no job description it wasn't something but he had an idea and he articulated it. And I was like, I just want to work for him because a job before, you know, I came to him, I was stuck with my product. He was the CTO of the, you know, of the company. And I knocked on his door and I said, listen, I don't know who to ask for help anymore, but maybe you do one because of, you know, your political power in this organization Two because I really think it's a product we should ship and you should care about it. And so he was so, um, helpful for me to get out of my head that I was like I just want to work for him it does not really matter what it is and when I came to work for him the only thing I wanted is one to be by his side and two for him to one day say that he succeeded because of me that's all I didn't care about my title I didn't really it's like I completely forgot myself um, in that process and I did kind of, you know, a lateral move within the organization. And I think that it says a lot, like for me, that was like a light bulb moment of, oh my God, what does that mean when you work for a leader that really takes the best out of you? And I think what your story also shows is that you somehow convey that to your team, that they believe in you because they said, you're going to figure it out. You didn't believe in you, in yourself. It's like a lot of, you know, there's a book of, you know, now I'm reading it's a basically about you know don't believe in everything you think um and so yeah and it's exactly that's like sometimes you need someone else's perspective you know there's a lot of other you know kind of self-help kind of 
advice that talks about, you know, talk to yourself like you would talk to your best friend. You would never say these horrible things that you internally and your internal chatter says. Oh, so I think so I think the fact that they believed in you, that you showed them, you know, in other times that you would be there for there for them and they believed that you would succeed. So they were there with you until the last moment. And, you know, and you managed to convey both things. One is like, you know, to this person, as well as gather the help, as well as your team. And I think, you know, all of that are just, you know, a, a tools that we need in our tool belt um, to kind of pull that card in, in, in the moment. And I think that really this affects our life. It affects our career, obviously. Um, and uh, I love that story. So, you know, thank you for sharing it. That's not, honestly, that's not even half of it. <laughs> um, you wouldn't I don't even think you I don't even think when, when we get to like the part of, with our, in our story about Russian and Ukrainian hackers um you might just start to think I'm lying to you but um yeah well, we, we we've definitely <laughs> through the mill but I mean in terms of starting from scratch right you know where did this where, where was the uh, we've obviously started with your experience but where was that initial I'm going to go out and write a book because let's be clear you're a busy woman right? You're, um, you're involved in starting a new consultancy. You're a founding member at Chief, which is obviously a huge, huge undertaking in itself in, in what they're promoting and what they're doing. Um, and in addition to that, you're thinking, actually, I'm going to squeeze in some time to write a book. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so first of all, to, to be completely honest, um, writing a book wasn't my idea. It was actually my husband's. Sometimes you need someone to push you to do the right thing. Um, and so he always said, you know, whatever it is, you just, you know, there were so many things that I was talking to him while I was working. And, and he said, don't you think you should write about it? And then you, you know, about another time, don't you think you need to write about it? So he never said, you know, you need to write about this. Um, but he did think that I should, you know, kind of put whatever I'm thinking out there and not just, you know, kind of talks over dinner. And so um, specifically deciding to focus on that was, um, was when there was a reorg in the company and I actually, and I got an amazing position, uh, but uh, other people reacted differently. So other people took amazing other jobs like me. Other people stayed in their job, but something happened and they didn't really, they weren't as good as they were before, kind of like unable to reinvent themselves, not believing like, okay, we're just going to wait for the next change. And I'm just sitting here uh, until then. And other people left, which was a huge loss for me as their peer, um, obviously for the company. And I actually, even in one case, I thought for one of their career, like one of them as, as a loss for their career, like if he would have stayed, he would have done amazingly in that company and so you know kind of looking from the side saying why is everybody reacting so differently to the same event we all went through and so I went into this rabbit hole of research um, and I found out that actually there's something that's called post-traumatic layoff disorder and it's actually a thing that not necessarily only people who get laid off suffer from even survivors as they're also called by that research um and so i i went to this rabbit hole of how do you um how do you address trauma how do you address change um and so i learned that there are about 15 percent, which to me felt more but 50 15 percent of us stay with this trauma and really don't get out of that 
my mindset of you know I lost and I'm not oh, worthy it, 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 but are you saying that the trauma is there for the people that have been fired or the ones that survive both oh, for both the change is right. just moving kind of moving your you from your comfort zone sure. and so uh most people bounce back very you know the it's called resilience today um so uh most people bounce back but bounce to the same place that they were but there's 25 percent of the others are actually making a leap like something significantly better than they were before and I was like, okay, what is that 25%? How am I part of that 25%? How can I make sure that I'm part of that 25% always? Um, and also how do all these people that are around me um, can be there? And so I started kind of unpacking it and really through that learning, um, I found it fascinating. And I said, okay, I need to, I need to share it because I lost too many peers uh, to, to these changes and, you know, in tech reorgs and changes and acquisitions like happen all the time. And so I thought that, you know, for me to put it in writing and be able to access more people, um, I felt it would be like a mission, um, to do. And when you feel something is so like stronger than yourself, I think you find time. Sure. I mean, and again, and in terms of like finding time and writing this book, I mean, really with people that they have actually been laid off or they have actually as you say they've got that survivor that almost guilt right is it exactly in terms of like what's the core lesson and without giving too much away like what's the core lesson from the book for those people that actually survive because I've got to be honest I once went around and threw around redundancies with my colleagues and it sounds awful to say I was jealous that they got laid off and I was kept I also thought it probably wasn't fair I'd only been at the company like six months or so in fact that's twice happened to me and I you know I kind of felt actually the idea when they said they were going to be around a redundancy I thought this is my chance to break out to break free <laughs> what I mean yeah, yeah. so I won't, I won't lie I also you know was part of you know um several layoffs that I was like okay you know these people probably don't want to go, but I would like to. Can can we sw- can we switch? Um, oh, but you're it a better was... person than I am. You're a much better person than I am. I didn't. Um, oh. No, but but it's 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 really I think so. In the book, I actually call this this mode um, the spark, and it's it, the spark is really something that is talks about the need to change, and um, I really do dig deep into do you really need to make that change now or is it really a heartbreak and you just need to do something to get it out of your system but they don't just jump there are a lot of boomerang employees now that they left the companies they regret leaving and they're coming back and that's unfortunate like why would you put yourself through it um so i think the fact that you actually objectively and in my book there are tools and their work work there's a workbook like but to go to put yourself into that is that spark real or is it just a really bad mood um you can always quit tomorrow I always say but the idea is really to look at that and are you done like you came here to do a job that you were proud to take then are you proud are you done 
And if you're not done, what blocks you from doing it? Is it a bad day? Take a day off. Take, you know, talk, go to speak to your friends, speak to your manager, say, listen, I'm in this bad mode. I don't know how to get out of it. And, you know, you know, hopefully you have that relationship and they trust you to actually not seeing it as a threat, but actually a call for help because you want to stay. And so if you do that exercise of, am I really done? A lot of the times you're able to reinvent yourself in the same workplace. And I, I really think that a lot of my growth came by actually staying with the same company and being extremely open and clear about what I want next and how, how I think I can get to it and asking for help. You know, do you think there's another person I should talk to that will help me make that change? Do you think that I should go and study something? But I really was able to articulate it. And because I was really good at my job, I, was, I had the credit to ask for that help. In a new job, it's so much harder to do that. So I think, you know, you being jealous, as you were saying, jealous of your friends that were actually let go. I think that that kind of doing that math of am I really like is this like a really bad you know I don't want to work here because you know Joe left and I liked Sarah and like it was really helpful for them to be part of my my day today or yeah. is it like what do you actually what are you going to do and are you enjoying it and should you really leave or stay so um you know you're betting on, you're betting on humans being good though right do you know what I mean like genuinely like which which is actually a really positive and the right way to, to view it similar to what I'm doing right in terms of with Rayon like you know I'm betting on actually like human nature people wanting to be able to help <laughs> each other that that's largely it and actually where we're seeing that culture more than anything you're I think one of one of your favorite topics if not I think your second favorite topic we'll say after your book is NFTs right and, and yes. we're, we're seeing that culture now where you know there's utility in these NFTs, right? I, I, I think when we first heard about NFTs, we were all, well, sorry, I can't speak for you. I was hyper-skeptical. I was also hyper-skeptical about Bitcoin. Um, but now, like, NFTs, like, they're growing, they're evolving. And it's not just about being an image on a screen. This is about joining clubs. This is about yeah. exclusive membership. Um you know, I mean, for, for, you know, our community, like where, where do you feel this is going with NFTs? So I think that what I like about, so if it's NFTs or, or, you know, or cryptocurrency, like this whole world, kind of the next kind of iteration of, of, um, of technology, I think is exciting because of that ownership. Like the fact that now we own what we do, um, I think that that's exciting. And, you know, it will have different iterations, um, you know, um, I don't know, web browsers are not the same as they were at the beginning. Websites are not at the beginning, you know, apps were, did not exist. Like there are, there will be iterations of whatever we're going through now. And I think what I do agree with you that I like about it is that we all understand all the people that work in it everybody understand that it's the beginning yeah the real like the real people who work in this understand that you know it's still the beginning and so and they're excited about reinventing that they're exciting to be part excited to be part of it and excited to call in other people they don't compete around that they actually think whoever is coming you know are they going to make that next evolution or revolution and uh, and I totally agree that you know I think that 
those niche uh, communities and subcommunities and the fact that it is based on you know coming together to create something and own it together I think that that gives the accountability um, back to the audience and they see us the success of something as their success as well. So the notion of that is extremely exciting and brings the right um, attitude um, to the space. You know, there are there is a competition obviously in the space. There are bad actors in like in any industry, but I do agree that um, that that beginner mode um, exists with all the makers and um, and it's extremely like it's more welcoming than I've experienced before. Yeah, and I, 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 funny enough, our podcast is, is part of the the proof of that. Like in terms of the blockchain community, um, I was sitting at home one day and thinking, how do we drive more traffic to the site? What do we need to do? And we already had like ten thousand like members, like without spending any money, right? So we were doing something right. And I came across this guy, and now I know who he was. But at the time, he was like Gary V. He's like really famous. Yeah, he's like super famous, right? Yes. Like, at the time, I did, this is only like beginning of 2022. And he was just like, get off your ass, start your podcast, stop making excuses. And I messaged, I WhatsApp my group. And I was like, guys, let's just do it. Let's just reach out to the blockchain community and let's see if they want to do it. So admittedly, we were fortunate we had... Uh, we had contacts, uh, you know, blockchain.com, Ocrelus, you know, IBM, like who obviously in the AI side of things. Um, everyone's like, yeah, let's do this. We want to help you. We want to help you. And when we gave, when we showed them our product, um, the very, very early stages of our product of the round community, they were like, let's schedule an hour. Let's help you. We'll tell you about what problems we're having. In fact, I did it this morning, right, with a company, with a huge US company. Um, that hopefully, fingers crossed, because I will be partnering with, they were like, we're just going to take time, we're going to help you out, right? And I kind of think it's probably how the start of the internet was. Something um, where like, it's just, yeah, just, you know, like just that, hey, you know, there's enough room for all of us to to win. Um, there's enough creativity here. Let's just see what you're doing. Everyone's like, hey, this is a cool idea. This is going to work. This isn't going to work. You know, <laughs> how we can help yeah. you, you know? So I think uh, I think the difference between, you know, at the beginning of the Internet is that, you know, it was actually maybe are some similarities that it was extremely technical. Like even now, you know, there's um, like you go to an ATM machine, you use the ATM machine, you don't need to know how it works right? in order to use it. And I think that today, because it's so early, a lot of people are kind of stuck in their head of, wait, how does it work? And, you know, if I don't understand blockchain, then am I really in the space? So I think a lot of people are in their head there. And, and, and maybe it was even more common at the big, like, you know, early when the internet was very early. Um, and I think that at least, hopefully, we're letting go of the technological barriers or, or the fact that we have to understand everything. And we're actually adopting this and, and moving forward and really building real useful use cases so that people can actually you know actually enjoy and use and so I think that maybe we have that leap of we're not pushing back on technology as we did in the last iteration in web two um, we don't struggle there and then maybe that's what it will accelerate this more than you know it took yeah. I think it took very long time for you know 
social media to catch up, for the internet to actually, you know, move from dial-up to, you know, Wi-Fi. Like it just took years. And I think that this time it won't take as many years because of, um, because we're less kind of afraid of technology today. Yeah, we're def- I, I, I think we're definitely much more accepting of new ideas, new concepts. And actually, you know, culturally, that's something that comes very much out of the US, right? Even when you're selling a new product to US companies, it's completely different from selling it to uh, UK companies. So, you know, e- even in it's terms the size of-, of the market as well, you know. But no, but I, I mean, in terms of like people's attitudes, you know? they're more open to saying hey let's test out this new software let's see actually is this something that's going to add value for us whereas in the uk i feel that there's just we're shrouded in cynicism sometimes but yeah sorry yeah, <laughs> no no but i agree because it is it is cultural and you know when um in one of my previous roles i headed we work lab and i was working with a lot of startup founders and there is a, a more openness in the u.s to kind of, you know, move fast and break things, you know, it's actually a thing we talk about um, and versus, you know, um, other cultures or in Europe are um, kind of more risk averse. Um, you know, I opened a lab in Eastern Europe and, um, and you know, the, the person on the ground, can I told him, you know, can you tell me about your startup culture and who are your most successful companies? And, and he was like, you know, we, unless it's, perfect we will not launch it and i said but how do you know it's perfect like if you don't put it in the hands of the users and you hear feedback can you iterate how do you know it's perfect or how do you perfect it and he was like we just don't know it and so you know it is a cultural thing you know but i do think that the kind of global openness you know there are people who are adopting innovation or adopting kind of change or openness faster regardless of how they were you know what their culture is around them but I can definitely you know um think it is related to where you're coming from like I come from Israel which is like called startup nation right like we don't have any assets other than um you know people's creativity like we don't have geniuses you know. what they're doing in Israel geniuses you know I was reading recently it's because we don't have other things to really you know there's not enough land, there's not enough water, there's not enough gas, there's not enough oil. <laughs> it, it, again, like, it's a tiny, it's a tiny, 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 tiny country. What is the population? All like Nine million or like nine million, right? It's, and I would say in terms of software, I mean, they're not that far behind the US in terms of, well, okay, fine. The US is still definitely leading the world. But, you know, the U- Israel is for such a small country. It's, it's phenomenal what they're doing. But I mean, yeah. in, in terms of, um, and, and I wanted, I wanted to just jump in. I wanted to get your take on this. I want to learn about this. Chief, founding, you're a founding member. Um, yeah. What exactly is Chief, and what, what's the overarching mission? Yeah. So I think. Um, uh, so I'm involved in Chief, like really from its early days. It went through like any good product through several iterations and changes and adaptations in order to grow. Um, Chief is a cl- is a membership or a club for senior uh, female leaders, um, and it's mainly a community. Uh, but it also obviously has it's powered by you know like a digital um, a digital experience as well, not just IRL. Um, but I think the 
you know, kind of the basic things is that you're senior in your career, which is, you know, the senior you get, the less help you have around you. Um, and it's more lonely at the top or how they say it. And then, um, and it has micro communities of very, you know, various interests. And so, um, you know, I'm, for example, given that I'm part of, you know, I just am launching a book, then I'm part of an author's community, but I'm also part of a product and tech community. Um, and in addition to the fact that we're a community that supports each other and is like everybody there is extremely, extremely open to connecting and supporting and helping. Um, there's also a lot of events for your personal growth as well as your career growth. And each one of us has a coach as well. So we also do group coaching and really kind of to dig, dig deep into your soul and make you a better person. Um, and I think that's... Female? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Is it 100% female? 100%. Well, and they've raised $100 million recently. Right? In terms yeah. Of, that is, yeah. That is... So, wow. Okay. And I don't remember the actual numbers, but yeah. I, you know, the, no, the actual numbers of, um, because they did share some stats about, you know, how many people while they're a chief grew um, and kind of credit their growth, personal growth, as well as kind of in their career um, to chief to the fact that they're part of that, you know, that club and that membership and part of being around, surrounded by these inspiring other leaders um, you know, I have friends from there. I have business partners from there. I have, I'm doing business with some of them. And so, you know, it wasn't supposed to be an ad for them, but, um, no, it really, you know, I think it, I do credit a lot of, um, my access to the fact that I'm part of a community, but, you know, even if you are not a female, I think that what is really kind of my learning from this and being part of chief is that, you know, you shouldn't, you should never do this and this, you know, fill in the blank for yourself alone and really to, you know, ask for help, be part of a community, a job seekers community, something in someone in your industry, someone, if you're a founder, a founder community, but just be part of a community because just that access, um, you know, and that openness can bring a lot of great things to, to yourself. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I, I think, I think on that note, I was, you know, twenty five percent of our, the youths on round are all female, and I think that what's really interesting is that seventy five percent of the users on Rayon are male, obviously, but a hundred percent of those, almost hundred percent of the founders, the people that are launching their own companies in the tech space via Rayon, they're all men. It's all men. Like we're not seeing that many female founders and it, I mean conscious of time but just like got a few minutes I mean why is that why are we not seeing more um, female founders or are you going to say actually we are but you know they're possibly not doing it in the tech space so I will say you know there are not en there's not enough women in tech period you know so it's kind of like this is you know even if you had a hundred percent of them it's not 50 50 already so you're starting from a lower point i would check you know do you actually you know sometimes you need to make an effort to find your users so i wonder you know what is your your communication how do you, do you know do you have a female leader that actually brings you know see people need to see in order to believe um so i think you know everybody's busy and i 
you know, do you have access to those originally? Like, I don't know, did people actually, like, did women actually say no to you and just, or just don't know? And so, you know, are you in those circles that can bring them? Um, but I definitely, I can say, you know, as a manager in tech, as, you know, female in tech, and um, I always see less women around me, unfortunately. And so, you know, it's, it begins low and then, and then it's harder to find it like any other user uh, that you would struggle. But um, I would check, you know, how do you, how do you find your male users? Uh, and I would check how you address like any other thing that, you know, once you want to go global, how do you access the global community? Like in the same way I would work in order to find um, those users for yourself. I mean, from our perspective, I, I just don't think as many women want to work in tech or start tech companies as men do. I think, I, I'm a big believer in equal opportunity, not equal outcome. I think equal outcome comes with a whole host of dangerous problems. In terms of equal opportunity, there's certainly the opportunity for women to not necessarily build their own tech companies, but build their own companies, as, as you're seeing at Chief, right? It's inundated yeah. with people joining and and just a plethora of like opportunity for women to start. But maybe I'm wrong. But I just, you know, for some reason, we're trying. We, we work through the universities and we're seeing, we're definitely seeing more women in business. Tons of women there, in business. There are more women now. I think that there's been a lot of efforts in the past years to actually start younger, right? To to push them into, um, into choosing technological um, uh, roles or positions and then kind of start companies this way. Um, the, the stats are very clear, like um, companies that are started by women, you know, spend less, survive longer, like that is an actual, really? um, an actual stat. Um, and yeah. so uh, we are, we're kind of like smarter with money. We don't spend that quickly. We've, we've got a female founder, right? And she, she's, you know, she's really on us with our spending. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think, but also because she has in her head as that as a female founder, it's harder, unfortunately, for her to um, get funding. And so, you know, we're smarter with money. It's like all kind of backed by research. Um, but I do agree, like you know, in tech, um, you know, I'm in tech for many, many years. I'm uh, one of the only women in the room for, unfortunately, for many years. I do see more today, which is extremely. Um, encouraging but we're not done there yet like we don't see enough diversity in general not just gender diversity you know it's anything from ethnic diversity to age diversity and I think that we need a lot of that around the table in order to really make sure that our company or our product accesses more um, you know more users and and grows into the right places. I mean, there's definitely the opportunity. Though. I mean, I, I do feel that there's, there's, I mean, there's more opportunity than ever now, right? Especially within the Web3 space. But um, Oz Benari, it's been great to have you here. Um, your book, uh, Starting From Scratch, out this week. So um, guys, jump onto Amazon, check it out. Um, and of course, we'll, we'll be sharing links to it in on the Realm platform. Um, Oz, really great to see you again. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, hopefully we can actually do this again soon. Absolutely. Great to see you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Bye.